Hey, this is Eric from Catching Light. Hey, this is Hemp. Hey, this is Glenn. Hi, I'm Steve-O. Hey, this is Drew Hines with Hindsight Imagery. This is Matt Callahan and DigiMatty Photographic Services. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to Tales from the Pit. Welcome to Tales from the Pit, the behind-the-lens access for concerts and photography. Today is our part two with sound man extraordinaire, Eric Rogers. We hope you enjoy the show. So the the cool thing that, you know, with what you're doing with Hello TV, it just, it just opens up so much opportunity for bands. So, you know, I'm a musician. I think that would be a really cool opportunity for a promo package or something like that. I'm going to be putting out an album here coming. Uh, you know, at some point, it would be nice to have a place that I could go to shoot a bunch of videos for that album for whatever, for social media or whatever. That's, I think there's a lot of cool opportunities you guys have there with that. Um, stuff. We just did uh, we just did the the Christmas special for Newfound Glory, which was not a, there was performance, but it was like music video. There were skits and there were all kinds of reenactments and interviews and the band playing in the living room, but it was, it was a music video. So it was, they were playing to playback. Um, actually, we just got an email today from another friend of ours who wants to come shoot a music video in the space. Um, there's, there's more opportunity with hello than just a live stream production. What we're building is a, a hub in Nashville for creative people to come together and do creative things. So we'll, we have, you know, the full stage, we have the lighting, we have the audio, we're going to be doing um, uh, workshops where Paris will be teaching photography and teaching like, rock and roll photography skills. Our LD is going to teach some lighting stuff. It's going to be all the kind of things that that you can go get at Full Sail, but kind of on a macro level in Nashville where we're just, we're just reaching out networking and, and taking advantage of a situation where we can make, we can build a better community of professionals around ourselves. You know, that's really cool when you think about how you got started and stuff like that with them just throwing you out there. They can actually say, we're going to send you over to Hello TV to do a couple of runs here and then uh, see how you do from there. We'll talk to Eric about it. <laughs> oh, man. See, that makes me a little when I, I, I worked for a, a local sound company and it was the same thing. You knock on the door and you're like, hey, man, I'm mixing all these bar bands and I'm kind of good. Like, oh, you think you're good. Here's a broom and a soldering iron. Yeah, and, yeah, get to work. <laughs> and and you get, once you get good with the broom, then you can work on the soldering iron. Once you get good with the soldering iron, we might let you drive the truck full of speakers to, the, you know. Thank you. Yep. I've noticed that there's that gen, the, the new generation, they don't give a shit about that. We could tell all the old man stories about how we had to work at the shop and sweat and, and earn our way into it. And they just don't give a shit. Yep. So what they want is they want hands-on experience and they're not going to settle for anything less. They're just going to keep going somewhere else until they get it. Or they're going to be like my daughter who thinks she knows how to do everything. And if she doesn't, she'll look it up on YouTube and then she'll fake her way through it until she gets it right. So why not create the space where we can give people the opportunity to fake your way through it and maybe we can give you a little bit of help along the way. 
No kidding. Well, since you said you don't like to teach other kids, are you going to be teaching sound engineering? I didn't say I didn't like to teach other kids. I said I don't like other people's kids. <laughs> um, and you know what? Yes, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I have something to offer. And it's because somebody's, a bunch of somebody's offered me something. So I think that, I think that if you have knowledge, you almost have an obligation to share it. Yeah. So whether somebody can do something with my knowledge or not, that's, that's on them. But I, I think I do have something to share and it, it would be a waste of everybody who shared it with me if I didn't. When uh, touring starts up again, are you going to go back on the road? Or are you going to stay focused on this or is it going to be a mix or what's your plan? Is, um, my, I, I don't really have a plan. My plan is, is hundred percent hello TV. Um, and we're building this company. Now, if, if touring comes back and, and the right tour is available, then of course I'm, I'd be, I'd be foolish not to. I mean, this has been my career and my life for so long, but I also see a future of those two being married. And there's no reason that I can't build a strong company and take only take the tours that I want to take because that, that my company does require attention and love and nurturing. Yeah. Um, and, and wow, man, if, if, you know, dream artist X gives me a call, I'll go out there and do that thing, of course. But at the same time, there's plenty of opportunity to take Hello TV on the road. And just, just imagine a, a, another bus and our trailer that has our mobile student mixing studio in it. And we can then go out and film tour stops. We can, we could theoretically book our own tour where we're doing know different midwestern venues and different whatever make our own circuit and we do four or five artists in a week and come back and edit it and put it out and then go back and do you know the the northwest you know that's what i was going to ask you if you're planning on just like expanding this into other areas of the country our initial plan was to have to do our our initial plan and i think it was naive we thought we were going to do 50, we were going to do 30 shows and we did, but we were going to do 15 in Nashville and 15 in LA and we never got to LA. And once we started looking at the, the cost of logistics to take the stuff to LA, it was like, wow, shit, that's really expensive and we can't do it right now. But um, there's no reason we can't grow. And then we're actually building partnerships with a couple people right now that we will be able to have duplicate what we have in Nashville in Los Angeles and we could duplicate what we have in Nashville and we could duplicate it in Florida. That's cool. That's good to, you know, have those sections covered too. The, um, I remember several years, but I'm going to say maybe 10 years, maybe longer than that. I remember going to concerts or to a specific show. I think it was like disturbed or something like that. And they gave us, a card with a download link that we could download or buy the actual show we were watching. We could buy that download later on. I mean, I think that's kind of a See unique, that. yeah. that's kind of a, a unique opportunity that I never saw again. That I think would be right up a hello TV's touring package type of thing. I think that would be fantastic. I mean, that's, that's something that I, we would need to work out with, you know, the record label and lawyers right. to find out who owns what and how, how that could happen. But I think it's brilliant. That, that's right. 
download the and different revenue streams, right? You could have the live download of the show. You could have the video of the show. That's brilliant. You know, and, and to be honest with you, if, if I could buy a download for every concert I went to, I would buy them all because that's a moment I want to live. I want to relive. Yeah, relive it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I'm sure there's some bands, maybe they had a bad night and they probably not don't want it out there. But I think that's such a great, you know, VIP package or whatever. You know, there's a lot of opportunities there. And then I also think, you know, we've talked with other photographers and they go on tour with the band for a period of time because the band needs promo material. So the band's going to be shooting a new video. So, for example, Paris shot uh, a bunch of stuff for When Legends Rise uh, mm-hmm. video that came out, whatever it was. Uh, and you hear so many bands that are, you know, we need a promo. We need videos. We need Instagram social stuff and all that stuff. I mean, you guys kind of have that opportunity there. Yeah, we were It's. We've, um, we don't use the word live stream as much as we did at the beginning because we're, live stream is something that you do with the video. Like we're just a video company. We, we create, and I, I, I know the word content is like the hip thing. I hate it, but that's what we are. We're content creators. Yeah. Um, but more accurately, we're moment capturers. That's what we are. That was, I didn't think about that until you just defined it. Like, right. What do we do? We capture moments. Yep. The, the, the post-production must be pretty huge for something like that. Is that all done? Um, um, it's by one individual or uh, Paris. Paris does all the video editing. Um, now I, I mix the show. I record multi-tracks, but I also record it a stereo mix. So, the bulk of the shows that you see from us are mixed live. There are very few edits. We try to avoid them because any editing audio-wise sounds edited. So we don't do any overdubs. It's still 100% what you hear on the video is what happened in the studio. We just might have gone and done take two of the song. So we're not, we're not actually cutting or splicing. So the audio post is pretty simple. The video post... Um, it's what all the memory cards from six cameras. She drags it into a timeline. Once she, uh, and I don't know what the video editing term is. I would say quantizes it with the audio. So when she syncs all the audio up from all the different camera angles, um, and works her magic, I think, uh, she's gotten the process down now to, I think to do a 90 minute show, Editing wise for her to have like the, the first take ready for review is maybe 24 working hours. Wow. That's really wow. good. That's a good time. Yeah. Wow. How long do you usually spend with a band for the show? Um, we will do like, it's a full day. So it's a full eight hour day in the studio and the, the sound check line check portion takes, I mean, I, I kind of drag it out for me and it takes about an hour just to get all the inputs then we ask the band to do a full rehearsal. And if the singer doesn't want to go all out, I understand. But the rehearsal isn't just band practice. It's not just to get these guys used to playing again. It's to get these guys used to treating the camera and all the girls with cameras like they're kids in the crowd and performing to the camera instead of just reciting their show. So once that's done, then, you know, we take a little bit of a lunch break. They go to a photo shoot. We record the liners and then we do the show again. 
And now you're doing a show again. They've already done it. They're kind of loose. They've got the vibe of what's going on. And 90% of it, it's just straight through, start to finish a show. Occasionally you'll get some things you'll get like, you know, um, especially, especially if um, the artist is a lady, she might be a little more concerned with what she's wearing or if her makeup's a little runny because the lights do get sweaty in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, we've had one artist concerned that they had a booger. <laughs> Like, can we redo this song? I had a booger the whole time. Like, <laughs> dude, you're nobody's looking at your booger. It's, it's <laughs> get that booger cam out of here. <laughs> like, trust me, there's six cameras out there. We'll just not highlight your booger. It's <laughs> um, cool, cool. Uh, so, um, hemp, you, uh, oh, Glenn, you were going to ask a question. No, it was just about the uh, production end of it. Okay. So when it comes to, uh, um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to say. Hold on one second. I've got one. Go ahead. Um, now, how many shows are you typically shooting a week? We we have done two in a week, but that actually that's pretty stressful. We try to do it limited to one a week right now. Yeah. Because that, that gives us time to go ahead. Sorry. You're based on prep time or. Uh, yeah, the company's in Nashville. What, what, what were you saying? Who? You. Go ahead, oh, Ab, I'm done. Go ahead. Okay. We haven't figured this out. Who's talking over who yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just wondering how much prep time to get the whole thing going. You're saying it takes about a week to get a whole production up and going. Well, the prep time, it's, I mean, honestly, you could come in and get it. You could get it done in a day. Bring your band and get it done in a day. Yeah. Um, especially if I can get track if i can get the tracks like when we did bayside we knew that they were doing um their whole killing time record so we downloaded the record and gave it to the lighting guy so the, the, our our lighting department could come up with a, an idea for the show and i i had an idea of what to do but it is kind of who we are and what we do it should be able to any anybody who has a, a camera or a lighting console or audio you should be able to just to pull a show out of your ass and do it. That's that's why we that's why we're the best at what we do. So the prep time for a show is nil. It's more the post time. So you lose a day doing the show. So there's an eight hour day gone. Then you have to edit it. And so once she gets done editing it, and it's 24 hour, 24 working hours. So it's probably two normal days to edit it. And then that goes up for review. And most artists don't really have anything but compliments. If they want to change an angle or something like that, we can do it. And once that's done, then we can go do something else. But if you want to have the fastest turnaround, then we actually need the time to be able to process the, the information. Hmm. When it comes to, um, are you, is there a certain, I mean, is this for like professional touring bands that have albums out or is this for a you know look local uh up and coming band that's not yet in the industry yet what's what's the target audience for bands uh, for artists we don't yeah. care uh we've done i mean we've done smith and myers to, that had you know almost a million followers and we've done some we've met some amazing new artists we've met some artists that are they're they're in the band for bigger artists like there's a guitar player and keyboard player for much larger artists or fiddle player for a much larger artists and they're doing their solo thing we've had some artists debut on our show so it's 
when we're had when it was the sponsored series, it was a little bit easier. So now the only barrier to entry is whether or not you can afford it. Nice, nice. I kind of want I want to go back to touring for a little bit, if you don't mind. Do you have like uh, um, sort of uh, craziest show or tour memories that you can share with us? Anything stand out for us? Some like wild and crazy things or anything like that? Craziest. Let's see. Um, uh, let's see. What was a good? Well, there's the Metallica in Mexico City. I learned that for. And I guess it's even here, but especially in Central America and in Mexico, on any given Metallica show, there are two bands, and it is Metallica and not Metallica. And the audience. If you're the support band, you have your work cut out for you to um, win them over. Oh yeah, it was that, that. That was that was pretty incredible. Just this seeing a whole baseball stadium full of people, and you know that they have everybody's record in there, and you know that they listen to Avenged or whatever. But when they're uh, when you're up against like the, the mightiest of bands, like literally arms folded back to the stage and it took them, you know, two, three songs to win the crowd over. That was pretty intense. Um, uh, on, let's see, there was a, on Godsmack 2019, I was in uh, Tupelo. We were, we were doing a show in Tupelo and while the show, there a fight broke out and I, I don't, it's funny. It's, I don't really see this kind of stuff. Like I'm at my console mixing the band. I kind of oblivious and next thing I know, I see all these paramedics rushing in and there was that mid bowl of the concourse. So I'm on the floor and there's that mid bowl of the concourse. And there was this, this guy and evidently he had gotten the be- beating of a lifetime because he was like, his head was hanging off of the edge on the ground. And there was like blood was pooling on the ground and they were they're like, I was, I was lost. I'm like, Oh shit, what do I do? Like, I want my instinct was to turn the system, the sound system off and talk to Joel, the lighting guy and turn the lights on to help these guys out. And I know that that would have been a, that would have been disastrous. So you just keep going and you don't want to stare, but at the same time, I'm like, what the hell happened? Um, Hopefully seen that we had a running conversation when I was with uh, Dustin Lynch on, uh, we were doing amphitheaters with uh, Luke Bryan and we were, kind of leapfrogging with Slipknot. Like they were playing the same venues off and on from each other. And sometimes Slipknot would play earlier in the week and sometimes we would. And uh, we were having these like just kind of running tally of which tour had the most DUIs afterwards. <laughs> and it was never Slipknot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had, uh, what is it? Jason Aldean come to, and that, that show was just, everyone was being carried out of that show in handcuffs. It was just, and it was all the females that were in handcuffs. Oh yeah. It was just yeah, chaos. It, didn't see many people getting arrested, but I saw a lot of them getting, uh, getting escorted out. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, getting back to hello TV, who, who's responsible for uh, setting up the stage? I see you have a lot of different lighting going on. Um, uh, you got props on there as well. Who, who comes up with the ideas? Uh, that's mostly me in Paris. Uh, now we have a crew. The, the, the light, the stage lighting is built, the sets built. And then, um, that's part of the rehearsal process of the show is Paris as the director will come in 
and kind of see how the band did. We look at, we set the band up according to their stage plot. And this is kind of a fun little dance we do where the, the band comes in and this is our stage plot. And I know that our stage crew is used to that kind of like rock and roll festival mentality of this is where the band goes. This is where their plot is. And then Paris will take a look out of it, at it. And we'll talk with the artist and be like, okay, so this is for video. And if you really want to have this kind of cookie cutter stage plot shit that everybody has, we'll do that for you. But we think you'll have more impact if you do this. And next thing you know, we're designing the stage or custom around their show. Yeah. Cause I noticed there was some mushrooms and, Oh, that was hundred percent them. That that's band oh. called static cycle. Yeah. And that's the one. Those guys showed up with a U-Haul truck full of props. It looked like something straight out of Alice in Wonderland. Nice. Yeah. And uh, they asked how much they could set up. And we're like, all of it, if you want. Okay. <laughs> it's your so day. Band could, so if a band has a full like stage set up, they could bring that in if they needed to, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We can accommodate anything from like a small singer songwriter all the way up. We have, we do have a full arena size stage where we can, uh, it's a 60 by 60. I can hang 50,000 pounds from it. I can do anything wow. in that room except pyro. Wow. That's crazy. How big is the studio? Square footage. Oh, well, our, the, the one that you're looking at right now on our website, uh, the whole, that whole side of the room is 6,000 square feet. Um, wow. The arena size stage is, I think, 60,000 square feet. Wow. Cool. Cool. Quite so long. when you're, so, so when you're not working on audio, what are your hobbies besides that? Hobbies? Besides Call um, of Duty. <laughs> I was like, besides Call of Duty? Um, I picked up reading again. Because I used to be a, an avid reader when I was a kid. And for whatever reason, it kind of fell by the wayside. And I, uh, I've been kind of dedicate. I'm like, I want to pick up books again. And, and I've been really into I want to I dedicate at least an hour a day. to just having my nose in a book, just disconnecting from the world. Um, outside of that, um, I'm also, well, I'm a father of a 13 year old. So I'm, I'm really good at seventh grade math. <laughs> and that's not easy. And um, outside of that, just, you know, fixing up the house projects. Yeah. Do you have a favorite tour that, you know, you look back on and say, you know, I wouldn't mind doing that tour again. Favorite tour. Well, let's see. Favorite tour from a, like me mixing it and feeling amazing standpoint would be Godsmack. Yeah. Um, favorite tour from like, as in we're treated like royalty and it was like the best accommodations I've ever had is Rod Stewart. Oh, really? Okay. Oh my God. Never did more than two days in a row. Uh, a day off was never more than a two block walk to an Irish pub or a golf course. Um, the accommodations are like Hyatt or better. It was like, we were just treated. We were treated. We were treated like Rod wanted to be treated. It was great. That's cool. I, I think uh, Shelby was on our show. He was the tech manager, I think, or something like that for Bob Seeger. And he said that was the same thing. He's like, Seeger is like, so laid back it's like the easiest and the most fun yeah, he said it, the best one for him was in jordan i think remember yeah oh yeah that's right yeah, yeah. so so uh, when it comes to international traveling did you do a lot of uh, a lot of international or was it mostly just u.s stuff um i've done both I, i've done what i think 
48 countries are on five continents now. Oh, wow. Wow. Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Um, yeah, no, I have not been to Africa. So I have not been to Africa or Antarctica. That's it. Nice. Mm-hmm. I did learn that uh, I ate a ceviche from a street vendor in Ecuador. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't get sick or anything? Oh, I did. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so I, I ate I ate this ceviche from this. It was and it was uh there was conch in it, and I, I love I, I love shellfish. It's like my favorite food, and it was black conch and whatever, like all the other ceviche yumminess, the onions and the peppers and all that good stuff. And uh, we played the show the next day, and it was fine. Then we got an airplane and we went to Bogota, Colombia. And uh, I made it through sound check before passing out from dehydration because I had basically flushed all the water out of my system. And I woke up in the back of this VW bus ambulance with uh, an IV in my arm. They had given me IV fluids because I had dehydrated myself. And um, I was freaking out and was reaching for my wallet. And it's like, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Tour took care of it. Okay, cool. We do the show and we have to fly to Argentina. No, no. So uh, not Argentina, uh, Venezuela, Caracas, Venezuela. And Venezuela, I mean, I don't know what the political climate is there now, but back then in 2012, it was pretty rough. And so uh, we fly to this, this, this communist country. The airport is empty. And they meet me at the fucking plane with a wheelchair because somebody at customs going out of Colombia had phoned ahead to Venezuela and let them know that, you know, I was, I was in a bad way. And I speak enough Spanish to get by, but not really fluently, but, you know, in my broken Spanglish, I'm like, no, no, guys, I'm I'm not dying here. I just really need a a toilet. I'm, I'm good. And they, they wheel me past security to this, this ornate bathroom. It was, it was this weirdest thing where it's like the, the clawfoot fixtures and like this ornate mosaic tile and, and golden faucets and shit in this completely barren, desolated airport. Uh, giant pictures of Hugo Chavez on the wall. It was like, it was creepy. And then um, they wheel me past baggage claim where we had you had to get your escort to pay off the baggage people to cart your stuff in because they'll hold your bags hostage and the same time we go to the hotel and the promoter had arranged for me to have a a physician there to to check in on me and i got another iv and i'm I'm really freaking out because now i've got this iv in me um in another country, I don't, I don't have health insurance here. So what am I doing in another? And I, this is the, one of the funniest, most surreal moments where I'm talking to the, the, the EMT that was helping me out. He's like, you realize that you don't have to pay for that here. We have universal health care in Venezuela. Hmm. <laughs> and that was, that was the most shocking thing to me knowing that at the same time all that healthcare debate was going on in our own country i'm in i'm in this 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 place where you know all we know about is what they tell us on the news and they're like nah dude you you ate some bad fish and we're going to take care of you that's awesome. and they took care of me it was pretty awesome and yeah, then uh, the next we'll see then i had two days in brazil and two days in argentina 
before I had to fly home. And at no point had I gotten any antibiotics. <laughs> so I flew home and I landed at like 9.30 at night. And when I got picked up, my, my ex-wife picked me up at the airport and um, she's like, where do you want to go? I'm like, I, I need to go to urgent care like now. And I kind of explained to her what was going on. I got the urgent care. I get to the urgent care. I'm like, I need, I need a Z-pack. I just need antibiotics. Like, well, we need to do a blood test. I'm like, I can tell you what I got. <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> just, just give me. So they do a blood test or they take blood and they, I finally talked them into giving me a Z-pack. In the morning, I feel great. Four days later, I get the results. I'm like, oh, you had food poisoning. I'm like, no shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gee whiz. It, it, the thing that sucks, uh, I, I assume that when you're on tour and you get sick, you have to kind of tough it out, right? Tuck it up. There is no sick days. Yeah, you still have to perform just like every other day, right? Uh, you know, it's we've we've all we try to. You, when you're on tour, you try to be healthy. If you're the sick guy, you go in your bunk. You know, you you clean up after yourself. It's all this sanitization procedures that the rest of the country is learning right now is kind of par for the course on tour. Like you, there's always Clorox wipes. There's always washing your hands it's, it's stuff like that. But you're right. There's no sick days. I'm, I'm kind of curious what happens moving forward post pandemic with that. Like, yeah, that's going to be, it's not like I can, it's not like I'm in, you know, Kearney, Nebraska and I can call in sick. I, I got to go suck it up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, for artists and people that want to get more involved with hello TV or they want to watch more stuff or they, uh, if, if an artist is looking to do some stuff, what do they need to do? What's their process? The, the process is simple. We are so easy to find any social media platform, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. It's at hello TV, uh, hello with three O's TV, um, or go to our website, hello TV.com. Um, and there's a link to contact us. It's, we're super easy to find. You can find me, um, uh, Eric M Rogers. Uh, and I'm sure uh, if you want to post that, however, you can hit me up at Facebook or Instagram. You can hit up Paris Fazzoni at Facebook and Instagram. We're so easy to find. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys have any other questions we want to talk about or anything else? Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric, you want to hit on that, um, good interview? No, I'm I'm great, dude. Thank you so much for this. Awesome. Guess what when are you at, What's the schedule look like for Bank later. for uh, Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion right now? Uh, we about 15 shows. Have we heard anything yeah. about what? Is it half capacity? Yeah, they're starting in June. Is they're starting? I think there's like 15 shows booked anyway at this point. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I, we want. I, I, I mean, what Steve said when he talked to them is they definitely want to do something. We just got to make sure it f fits within the guidelines. And, you know, the shows are really canceled. If they are canceled or, or, or postponed, it's usually set by the artists themselves. It's not something we would set for them. Yeah. So as long as the artist is still willing to do it and we can meet the guidelines, I think we're going to have something this year. That'd be rad. Yeah. Any, uh, any new updates? I mean, you've had a whole year of downtime. I mean, you built that lazy river yet? <laughs> I don't know. Have they done anything? I mean, they had they did a lot in 2019 in yeah. the off season, right? They added a um, VIP VIP center off to the left of the stage. Yeah, it's, 
it's a it's higher up, so you look down on the stage. Yeah. So okay, saw the beginnings of it. Well, so it's on the left of the stage. That means so that's the artist dressing room door comes up the left of the stage. So are they get, getting on and off of that? I don't know. I'm not doing? sure how that's all going to connect. No, together. it's the left. It's 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 by the where the truck stop is, right? Where yeah. all the trucks are parked. On okay, that's on the right side, side of your stage. Right yeah, side. Stage right. Yeah. You're looking. Yeah. At. Depends on what's what say. Oh yeah, I'm looking in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because on the left side of the stage, that's the only entrance over there is directly through the artist dressing room. Like that's super VIP. If you get that. <laughs> <laughs> we charge a lot for that VIP. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm the, just uh, hoping they crank it up. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The uh, they put in the golf. Did you see the mini golf course and stuff like that when you were there last? I didn't. Last last I saw the pool and then the 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 really shady treehouse. Yeah, you can see it in my picture. Yeah, they got a pool there yeah. too now. Yeah. yeah, I knew about the pool. Oh, that is what your background is. I didn't real. I didn't recognize uh, it. The aerial. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's such a nice venue, man. It's so yeah. so cool out there, all ages. Yeah, they did a nice job on that place. I love walking out to the lake. It's just the, that lake is just so gorgeous. Yep, yeah, they got great food. Yeah, that is nice. My mic's fucked. Your mic's gone, dude. I don't know what you're saying. Unplug um, your mic and just use the PC mic. Yeah, listen to the sound, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There we go. No, I was just wondering when you were gonna you were talking before about doing the classes and stuff. Oh, your audio is terrible, dude. He, he's I asking about to work the, on it. He's asking oh, about the classes. So you want to know like what we're doing with classes? Yeah. yeah. We don't have a schedule yet. Um, what we're what we're learning is something. It's not something we can just pull out of our ass. It's just something that actually needs to be structured. So we kind of we're going to put together kind of a syllabus of of what we want to pull down for each thing. And we're also kind of taking some information and taking surveys from you know people we know of what they would like to know. What was a what's a feasible workshop? Because we don't want to come in. We don't want to teach one one stuff because it's boring. And it's got to be hands-on. It's got to be cool. And it's got to be pertinent. So, yeah, I'd be interested in something like that. An internship is, I mean, I would love internships. That means that uh, I don't have to pay someone. Dude, I have no idea. So, yeah, we can do internships. I also think it's cool to do... Um, it, there's a handful of artists that we've really made friends with. It would be fun to put together like a, an all-star group just to do the teaching band, like come in and Hey, like we're going to, and out of that, they get some content. The manufacturers of all the gear, get some content and these kids get opportunity. Yeah. Right yeah. Yeah. So many ideas. Yeah. So there's so many ways you can, you can put this out with some really great opportunities. Yeah. Really cool. So yeah, I think I think that it's just like I've seen so many people complain about not having anything to do in the last year, and it, and it sucks. And and there's there's no way around it. You I mean, it, sometimes you have to go get a, a job to pay the bills, and sometimes yeah. your life is less than ideal. But if you if you look at what happened last March as an opportunity instead of an affliction. 
and you took that opportunity and you developed a new skill or honed the skills you have or did something outside of your wheelhouse, learned something, then this the whole 2020 wasn't wasted. It might have been annoying as fuck, but it wasn't wasted. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I mean, it, I'll be honest with you. This all came, this whole podcast came out of the whole COVID situation. We needed to figure out, we, we, we had nothing to do, but we wanted to keep moving forward and keep, you know, talking about experiences and all that stuff. And, you know, 2020 was actually a really, really good year for, for me personally, uh, just out of the creative aspect of, you know, I had a lot of time. So I was like, I'm going to put it to use and make something cool out of it. So now, do you think moving, I, I definitely do. Do you think that moving forward out of this, that, since you didn't just sit and wait or you didn't, you know, spend a year complaining about it. Are you, are you more marketable now moving forward, whether it's as a photographer or a podcaster or, or something in our business, because you, you, you did discover a new skill or you did expand your skill set. Yeah. This really opened up of uh, actually potentially a lot of opportunities. I have been hired by a major artist uh, to do work on his promo stuff and his photography and his, I manage his web merchandise and stuff like that uh, by a major from a major guitar player because of this podcast. But I think we got the opportunities to do the Smith and Meyer show because of this, you know, we've had some major connections with, you know, tour managers and artists and people like yourselves. So when people come to town, you know, we have opportunities off of that. Plus we have, right. you know, connections where people are like, I need a guy to do this. We know, you know, we've, we've got connections now, kind of like what you did with hello TV. We kind of started, you know, putting our connections to work and, you know, saying, Hey, we, we, uh, we can do this for you if you're interested. And, you know, we've actually gotten some opportunities off of that. So it's actually kind of cool. That's awesome. I love hearing that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's a good networking. It worked out well. Yeah. My, I spent most of 2020, the summer of 2020, really focusing on my, my weak skills. You know, I'm a photographer, but my editing sucked at the beginning of 2020. And I just buckled down on my, you know, my editing skills, my Photoshop skills and all these other, my lighting skills and all this stuff. And I just buckled down on all that stuff. And, you know, for me personally, it's actually starting to pay off really well right now. So it's getting a lot busier. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely getting busy. Yeah, totally. So uh, do you, guys, I mean, you guys are up. I'm actually in Boston right now with Paris. You guys are up here. So, uh, oh, nice. Cool. Little known fact. I'm, I am a huge New Orleans Saints fan. Oh, nice. There are, <laughs> only, there are only three quarterbacks in the NFL right now who have beaten all 32 teams. That would be Drew Brees. Tom Brady. No. no. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Brett Favre. I thought Brady was one of them, no? No. This year, Brady has – because Brady, up until this year, has been with one team. Right. This year, coming in 2021, the Buccaneers play the Patriots. So, we already know that this is going to be the year that Brady joins this very elite club. But are you going to be cheering for Tom Brady being – Tom, the New Englander, or are you going to be angry at Tom Brady for coming home and beating the shit out of the Patriots? He's the GOAT, so I mean, you got to respect him for that. So, yep. yep. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, they bring Cam Newton back on Brady. 
I, I, did, I couldn't. I couldn't watch the Patriots this year. It was tough. Yeah, it was tough. I was disappointed that Brady left, but I understand why he left. Yeah, he's the best man. There's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. I think we're. It's going to be a very interesting game because there's so many people pissed that he left. So he many at age 44. Who does that? I know. Yeah. I know. And who picks who picks the Buccaneers to go? <laughs> hey, yeah. uh, I'm going to just go win the Super Bowl with the, this shitty team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, um, I mean, you've kind of covered it already, but if people want to find you or talk about Hello TV, it's just Hello TV three three O's. On yep. Every every platform dot com, all that stuff. Yeah, every platform, Facebook, and honestly, the the best two would be Facebook and Instagram. Just Hello TV at Hello with three O's TV um, or Hello TV dot com. Cool, cool, awesome. Well, thank you so much cool. for joining us, Eric. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Bye, guys. Hey, thanks for watching this episode of Tales from the Pit with Eric Rogers. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Check out more guests on our YouTube channel and on talesfromthepit.net. We'll see you next time.